Understand the inner workings of friendship with better buddies. Welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ, and with me this week, we have one of our uh, lesser but favored, question mark, returning guests, Eli. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Eli uh, is the, I don't know, what's your title again? Are you sub-bracketologist assistant to? It changes every week, depending on what uh, my, my boss is feeling like. <laughs> That's fair. I'm going to go but... with... No, go ahead. Uh, it's like you get the assistant to the bracketologist. That's that's the general one. Okay, you're the assistant to the bracketologist on the uh, Super Bracket Bros podcast, and I feel like I do need to tell you, I have accidentally said your name when trying to say my own show's name before. <laughs> no, I saw that meme going around on your Facebook page. Yeah, <laughs> the, the group. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to Jay. He found that very, very humorous. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. Um, our Better Buddies icebreaker for this week is one I think you'll have an, a very interesting perspective on. If you could pick a mockumentary topic for a TV show or movie, what would it be a mockumentary on? Mockumentary being the fake documentary style of uh, filming, such as The Office or uh, Parks and Recreation. I was actually thinking about this. So I saw a movie recently on the Criterion channel, uh, a documentary about typewriters. It's called California Typewriter. And what it was was this chronicling of uh, sort of how the niche audience and consumer base of typewriters, even though they're like an obsolete technology for the most part, people still like are enraptured with them. Like Tom Hanks is a huge typewriter fan. Huh. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, it's probably one of my favorite documentaries I've ever seen because I have, I love documentaries that focus on like collectors. I love like people who are obsessed with collecting memorabilia or certain objects. Like one of the people in this documentary collected 18th century typewriters. That was his niche. So if I were to make a mockumentary series, I would want to make like a hyper niche, useless, like, you know, like somebody collected like the plastic ends off of like shoestrings or something. You know what I mean? The aglets? <laughs> like, yeah, aglets, like, or anything. Just, just, I want, because, you know, you watch these guys and they're just like uber experts on like very specific things you wouldn't expect. So I would do a mockumentary on like, a collector who of some hyper niche thing that you wouldn't like even expect. <laughs> I love this idea because it, where I'm sitting to record, I can see a gecko tank and on the side is a thermometer, which made me just think of an entire mockumentary about tank thermometers. Right. Yeah. Someone it's just who like, collects oh, them. Oh, oh, so you collect thermometers? No, no, no. I specifically collect tank thermometers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> God. That's so good. Yeah, I just, there's something so appealing to me about, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Oh, I just love Harry Potter. Hey, 
I love 18th century typewriters, like I don't, or uh, 19th century typewriters. I just, I love people with very, you know, quirky, obsessive interests. So my mockumentary would definitely be about some collector who is just like, wait, you collect what now? <laughs> See, and I, I've been struggling to think of one that I really, like, an idea I really liked because we've done workplace environments. We've done small government We've done big government if you count Netflix's Space Force as a military big government one. Which, frankly, the way it's presented, I do. <laughs> um, but I think I would do a mockumentary on... I'm stalling so I can think more. <laughs> <sighs> Publishing. I think. Oh, the cutthroat... <laughs> The cutthroat uh, world of book publishing. <laughs> and, like, conventions and book signings. And it'd be like a publishing house where... I, I'm thinking, I think this would be a TV series. You've got a publishing house. It's a little bit office, but very... Uh, the, the noticeable difference is the environment and the fact that they have an excuse to go out to places beyond their immediate area. Like, hey... Our primary, like, we have a primary author who is the cash cow for this publishing company, but they're aging and have a really dedicated fan base, but they don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> so they're shoveling dr literal, like, drivel out, and their dedicated fan base still buys it, but they have to, like, coax this wino writer to, like, go to conferences <laughs> and deal with, like, oh, okay. You, you're on the roof of the hotel. Why are you on the roof of the hotel? Drinking, staring at the stars. You're supposed to be giving a speech at the banquet in like three minutes. <laughs> I, I know you don't care about the book, but you, you do have to make your appearance. There's something inherently funny about like having people in a position depending on somebody who doesn't give a shit you know like like it's their livelihood but for that for the specific person they need they don't care so yeah and i think that would be a really good way to differentiate it from something like the office where the head of the like the most quote-unquote important person in the office michael scott cares so much and right. parks and rec leslie nope cares so much and in this you have the people who need them to who care because they have to <laughs> because otherwise they're dead in the water and the person that needs to be the one who cares the most just doesn't. When you came up with that premise, my first thought was Christopher Plummer from Knives Out. Just this jolly old coot who just doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Which one is he in that? I saw exactly half of that movie. Oh, he's the uh, he's the murder victim. He's the, the patriarch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. That's Very what, much that was so. instantly who I thought about. <laughs> He's the one I didn't see any of because that happened in the first half of the movie, but yes. <laughs> see, um, see, like, so your mockumentary would be a TV series. My thought was a movie, and the specific plot I had in mind for my, like, hyper-niche collecting would be this rivalry between these two hyper-obsessive guys who, like, go to war for each other over, like, oh, that's the first painting of, you know, a dude who only draws... Like birds, you know what I mean? Question. <laughs> like, would they have? I, I, I want to know what you think. But would they have the same interest or two different interests that both want the same thing for different reasons? 
Oh, hmm. I like to think that they, I like to think they're like, have the same interest, but for whatever reason, they think they're doing it for a better purpose. You know what I mean? Just like, okay. oh, he doesn't, he doesn't care. You know, he's in it for the money. And the other guy's just like, oh, he doesn't care. He's in it for the money. He's when a both, fake fan. Yeah. When they're both like in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> being in it for the money and they're both right yeah like like they bring in experts and the experts are like yeah those, those guys don't give a shit about the about the painter like i wrote my thesis on him and they don't give a shit <laughs> they just collect and sell it <laughs> that's so good i'm imagining it's like i'm picturing like a small town art mu- like not small town but maybe like a not a chicago art museum but like a capital city of a state art museum or right. like a large, large university art museum is where the piece is at. Mm-hmm. So you get to have the like fake heist where they both like they're so obs- obsessed with getting it they try and like hide it somewhere in the museum so the other one can't get it. <laughs> or or what if what if a third party purchases it from underneath them and so they actually stage a heist? Oh yes, <laughs> where they have to work together begrudgingly. <laughs> How does that conclude, though? Because clearly only one of them can have it. Uh, what if the painting, like, what if the painting rips in half, and then they put the two together, and it's just like, oh, the real treasure wasn't the painting, but the friends we made along the way. And the one punches the other didn't guy in the face and steals both parts. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea to pitch. What if they take the painting out from the frame and there's a duplicate underneath? <laughs> there's just two of them (laughs) they've been freaking out the whole time but it's only half as worth (laughs) on this i mean that's the that's the that's the funniest thing about the mockumentary style is just the image of all these antics you know whether publishing house or art theft just imagine a camera crew just sitting there watching it that's the funniest part of mockumentaries yes See, that's that'd be one of the great things of of the mockumentary that I don't think has been done well enough is at least for the mockumentaries I've seen, which I admit have only been the main like popular ones. The only camera crew involvement I know of is at the end of the office when that one cam the mic guy gets involved in the plot and it's garbage. <laughs> but I'm just picturing, like, you get those chair moments, or the, uh, what, what are they called? The, um, when the, the interviews, the talking heads, mm-hmm. they do the talking heads, but they also do, like, the camera cu- crew who are the straight guys of the whole thing going, like, yeah, I don't, I mean, the director <laughs> wants us to follow them into the vent, but I don't, I don't want to take our equipment in there. It's, it's really <laughs> dusty. And the director's like, you have to do it for the art. And they're like, oh, God, please no. I don't... Oh, that, that's a mockumentary. A mockumentary about a mockumentary crew. <laughs> <laughs> I just had the picture of, like, the mockument, Like, the subject of the mockumentary is, like, on the roof of a house. And the director of the mockumentary is like, back the camera up. Back it up. Further. Further. <laughs> and the camera guy falls off the roof. um a good uh my favorite mockumentary is uh a movie called what we do in the shadows is that the vampire one 
Yes, that's the vampire one. Uh, it's directing and starring Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. Okay. It's oh, it's so funny. It's like it does a lot of that humor where like they're vampires and everything, and it's just like, no, we have to live in secret. You can't go out at night. And one of them says, "You have a whole camera crew here. Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> And it's that New Zealand, like, Kiwi humor that's, you've seen a lot of Taika Waititi's films. So if you ever, I definitely recommend, that's my favorite piece of mockumentary uh, media. Well, speaking of recommendations, let's move on to our Better Buddies Recommend segment. Ooh. Where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Ooh. Uh, would you like to recommend something other than what we do in the shadows? I would, I would. So uh, if I could self-plug for a second, of RJ. Course. Uh, I have a website. It's eliastokes.com, E-L-I-A-H-S-T-O-K-E-S, where I do movie reviews. So if you're ever interested in some movie picks, I try to stay on topic for a lot of things. I review uh, recent movies, but, you know, the whole pandemic, a lot of them have been streaming movies. So um, one that I have particularly enjoyed in my last review, um, it's an indie movie. It's 824, if you know what that means. They're uh, publishing um, end of production house who specialize in more indie low-key features uh this movie is called first cow oh <laughs> i read your blurb about it yes first cow <laughs> it is the latest from director kelly reichardt who i love very much um first cow is it's set in the 1820s in the pacific northwest and oregon specifically and it follows these two sort of vagabonds who are trying to find their fortune, you know, in the American frontier. And they eventually start an enterprise where they start selling cookies. Um, but the secret ingredient is milk, which they are stealing from the first cow in the territory who is owned by this sort of mogul type who is only using her milk to uh, for his tea. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's like a pseudo heist buddy movie. Like, I, this is very much like an anti-blockbuster kind of movie. It's super quiet. No, there's no real thrills, no real excitement, honestly. The whole movie is just a very relaxing sort of therapeutic experience where it's a great movie if you just want to, like, meditate and sort of live in the moment because you know, most of the movie is just quiet conversations between two guys and lots of scenes of nature. Like, Kelly Reichardt is one of the best at filming just nature like you hear every bird song, every twig snapping underneath somebody's boot. You feel like you're covered in mud and salt, but in the good way. Um, no, uh, yeah, First Cow is definitely an excellent movie. If you just, you know, it, there's high high anxiety all around the world right now, and First Cow for me was a very uh, therapeutic experience, <laughs> so to speak. So it's available on Amazon Prime for uh, 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 video on demand. So I definitely recommend First Cow. Uh, based on that description and what I read off your writings about it, it sounded really interesting. Uh, it A, just being really chill and relaxing sounds amazing. But B, it sounds like it's got some of... It sounds like it has very dry humor, almost. Um, mm -hmm. And that it's not like a... It's not a Seth Rogen comedy, but it sounds like it's going to be like fun and lighthearted. Mm -hmm. It is for the most part, yeah. Uh, yeah, lighthearted is a very good term because there isn't any like, oh, you killed my father. Oh, no. You know, nothing like that. It's just, yeah. it's just you know, 
people on the frontier just doing what they got to do to get by. And it kind of show it really demystifies, like, you know, you watch a lot of Western movies and it's all badass, you know, revolver toting, quip, quipping like badasses or whatever. But in reality, most frontiersmen were just these humdrum, taciturn individuals who are just, I'm just looking for my next meal, man. Like, <laughs> like, what do you want from me? So it is, it's very much like an anti-Western and yeah, there's humor dotted in, um, here and there. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, what's like obvious humor. Like there are scenes where when the main character is like milking the cow and he's talking to it, like I kind of found it funny at first, but as the scene progressed, I almost got like misty eyed of just like, Oh, this is so sweet. You know? So <laughs> it's, it's a movie with a lot of emotion sort of hidden beneath what's happening. Okay. So it, it, it really rewards a, a ten of listen. It's definitely not a movie you should play in the background. I think you should, devote all your attention to it and i think it's pretty rewarding for any viewer who wants to really like dig into whatever media they're consuming that's awesome first cow do you want to plug that other thing you do oh right another piece of media i'd like to recommend is my other podcast my other my only other podcast (laughs) uh so we are super bracket bros this is a podcast i do with my friend jay uh, I am the co-host, co-bracketologist, assistant to the bracketologist, whatever he calls me. Um, and basically, the podcast exists to fuel Jay's bracket obsession, where <laughs> he loves making <laughs> brackets. So uh, what we do is we take 32 fictional characters from all sorts of media. We take them from video games, movies, television, and we put them in a, a 32-man tournament, uh, one-on-one fights to see who it is the best of the best. And each episode, we take the fight and talk about the characters' histories, uh, things we like about them, our experiences with them, and how they would do in an actual fight one-on-one. So uh, we have all sorts of uh, you know fun little discussions with some guests that, uh, yeah, it's just, it's very, if you're interested in learning more, like, you know, we've had friends tell us like, oh, we discovered a new show because of this character that you guys talked about. So if you're interested in like finding out about new media, this would be a great show for it. Otherwise, it's fun to just imagine, you know, all the fights going on. And we have a Dracula from Castlevania fighting Bumblebee from Transformers, you know, like things you wouldn't expect. But, that was you know, a very good episode. That was this past week's episode. And mm-hmm. I was intrigued at um because this you're on you guys are on your second season I would say right yep second yeah. season and with second season you started adding history about the characters and like where they came from their franchise and learning more about Castlevania like I'd had the Castlevania Netflix series recommended to me by basically anybody who'd seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> but it always it was one of those things where oh yeah I'll just I'll put it on my list I'll put it on my list and listening to the description and the little audio clip you played of Dracula's melodramatic speech is what has made me go, okay, I, yeah, I guess I'll watch it now. (laughs) And yeah, that's sort of what we wanted the show to be because obviously we could just, you know, have these isolated fights, but that wasn't, that wasn't interesting for us. And we felt like it wasn't interesting for the audience. It was fun, but we kind of wanted more. uh, So this season, we kind of learned from last season and we had, um, we're adding more meat, I guess, to the discussion with these backstories, as well as guests. We have a uh, guest on, on various episodes to bring their quote unquote expertise about certain characters. So if you want more, uh, podcast recommendations, check out all different episodes. Um, 
from people from other podcasts. So awesome. yeah, we're in the, we're at half, I think we're like halfway or a little over halfway through the first round, the round of 32. So uh, the field is getting smaller. And, and that's the fun part about our show is that like, it's, it's a season format and you know how many episodes and you know, the end, you know what I yeah. mean? So, so it's like this kind of carrot on a stick of just like, Oh, I want to see how this fight's going to go. Um, I'll also check out our Instagram, Super Bracket Bros. There you can vote on each episode when it gets released on Sundays and see who, uh, just take a pick at who you think will win and how how wrong we are because you guys pick differently from us. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say I'm still salty about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier's loss, but I might need a shaker. Hey, oh, hey man, hey, man. Like, <laughs> hey, if you want to know why RJ's salty, go listen to the episode. <laughs> Which I will say that was, I I was firmly in your camp, but Jay brought up a very important detail that made me swing my vote. So I'm directing all all of that to him. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, go check him out. I've been supporting the show since day one, and it's been really enjoyable for me. Season one, I think season one episode one is the only place you can possibly start because Lego Batman. <laughs> like it immediately set the tone for the show in a very good way. <laughs> yeah, it's that that was very I remember when putting Lego Batman versus Captain America, I was like, dude, are you serious? But I think that was the best way to start off, like you said. Um but you know, if if you don't wanna like commit to the whole season, you know, we our episodes are on like all of your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple um anywhere you get podcasts and just look at you know who's fighting maybe you like a character uh tune in we don't try to make it like necessary to watch each episode we can you can watch them in isolation if you want but yeah just you know check out uh new episodes every sunday sunday so who's do you know who's uh this coming week Ooh, i should but i don't that's fair i can't blame you <laughs> uh all right well i'm gonna recommend my, my recommendation's a little controversial, maybe, depending on uh, what you're interested in. But I'm going to recommend Fallout 4. Oh, a classic? <laughs> I wouldn't call it classic. S sort of? <laughs> a classic franchise, yes. <laughs> and uh, Amazon Prime is making a Fallout TV show, so... Uh, but Fallout 4, I got back into playing it literally in the last few days, and I started playing a modded version... And I'd left off at about 500 hours, approximately a year ago. Actually, a little over a year ago. I'd been at 500 hours. I'd hit 500 hours just before I started my job. And, like, literally the week before I started my job, my goal was, I'm going to hit 500 hours and get all the achievements. Because I was that close. And I did. And I stopped playing. But I'd left off at, like, a playthrough that had been stupidly high leveled. I had power armor. I had plenty of cores. I, I was unkillable. It, I was slaughtering everything my path. And I'd been playing that way for the last, like, 30 hours of the game. Actually, probably close to the last, like, 100 hours of the game. I'd been unkillable. Mm -hmm. And I started up a new playthrough. I added the mods on. I didn't add too many on. I... I could have unlimited companions. Uh, I added a mod where you can... Uh, so the gun customization system, it unlocks all customizations on all weapons across weapons. So like, oh, you can have a nuke launcher 
with the shoulder stock of a rifle. Or that 10mm pistol has a long-range barrel that's the length of your rifle and has the reload animation of a shotgun. So I just, I didn't add, like, I, and there was one really big mod I added that is, like, a story expansion that just adds a bunch of new quests and stuff. But starting the game over from scratch, I'd forgotten how weak you start out. Because, like, in my previous playthrough, I could literally walk through a minefield and feel nothing. And I <laughs> died, I straight up died to a single mine because I was standing too close in a stairwell and got reset to my last save point. Or, and then changing tactics, I walked into a different fight and got blown up with a grenade and had completely forgotten, like, oh, at the beginning, you do kind of need to play a little strategically, even with a small army behind me of followers. <laughs> so it was just really nice to, like, have that, have the game feel new again. Um, and I think it's, and playing through it again, I think it's a pretty good game for people who need, who are kind of new to video games, in that it's not overly punishing, and gives you a pretty, kind of lets you dip your toe into both the role-playing stuff of, like, oh, I need to spec out points, and pick perk trees, and those sorts of things, and dip your toe into the first-person shooter stuff without having the extreme hyper-focused uh, skill requirements of either. All right. So Fallout 4 is going to be my recommendation. Yeah, there is always that feeling of... Like, it's very uh, cathartic almost to start over, you know, because you in a lot of RPGs you build up the world and your characters, so, you know, grandiose and, you know, leveled up and crazy. You know, starting over is is like... Yeah, it's almost like just washing away um, and starting over. It's a very good experience. I've done that with other RPGs too, and you know, it's it, you gotta fall over yourself because, like you were saying, oh, I was so strong before. You know, this is you know dumb. I keep getting one shot, but you know, yeah. that you you know go over and do the same thing. You know, experiencing the same game again is such a treasured feeling. I think, especially for RPGs, especially for a game like Fallout Four, which a lot of Bethesda games too, they have all the modding things. You know, I've played different. Skyrim mods all the time, the story mods specifically. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, games like that tend to, like, you're almost playing a different game if you put in enough mods, which. Well, one of the mods I downloaded, uh, <clears throat> the, the, it's not a spoiler alert for Fallout 4. The game's old, like five years old. Um, Classic. <laughs> it, well, the game starts with your, you and your spouse and child go into a vault where you're cryogenically frozen. Uh, you wake up when a stranger comes in and steals your baby from your spouse and shoots your spouse, and the rest of the game is trying to find your kid. And I downloaded a mod that, instead of your spouse dying, they live, and you can recruit them as a companion. Like, Ooh. you leave the vault and find them at a local settlement, and you can, like, recruit them as a companion and go through it together. Which adds a dynamic of when you do eventually find your son... Instead of just being, like, the solitary parent who your kid let out of stasis just to see what would happen, it's now your his parents show up and say, what did you do? <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to get to that point and have that experience. Yeah, and then blow everything up with nuclear bombs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
I'm actually still debating on what I'll do when I get there. Because I can either blow up my son's place with nuclear bombs, or I can blow everybody else up with nuclear bombs. <laughs> so many choices. <laughs> it's a lot of bombs. <laughs> That's always, I'm like, even though I do start over a lot of RPGs, I still take the same decision tree every single time. Yeah. There's, there's clearly, like, the dick route, you know? Like, <laughs> just be an asshole. It's like, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> Oh, that was my last playthrough. The playthrough I was doing to get to 500 hours, I decided to be the biggest asshole I could. Uh, particularly, one of the DLCs for Fallout 4 is Nuka World, where you can go to this Disney World-esque theme park for Nuka-Cola and join the raider gangs there and become their leader. And then raid the Commonwealth and, like, take over settlements and force people in to give you tribute. And be the asshole. So I did. <laughs> I also, uh, the storyline has four, like, factions you can help. I used, I eliminated all the factions, basically. Because you can join the Minutemen, become their general, wipe out the other three factions... And then as the writers wipe out the Minutemen. See, I'm, I'm the kind of guy when I like walk into an NPC's house and leave, I close the door because I don't want to let it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Like, I actually couldn't. <laughs> it was, it was actually, I have to say, it was kind of enjoyable doing that because it was like my second or third. It, no, it was not my second. It was like my third or fourth playthrough. So by that point, it was like, okay, I know all of you. I know most of you are already assholes and kind of deserve it. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel bad for these settlers, but like, you know, I think the Brotherhood of Steel can afford being exploded. We'll just blow Wait. up the Institute. <laughs> or you have that one guy who keeps telling you that settlement's under attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I took him out. That one was, yeah, he was the last <laughs> to go. <laughs> I left him and his little group, because game mechanics, you can't really kill him, so I took mm -hmm. him and the super mutant companion and stuck them in the quote-unquote, like, main fort of the Minutemen and left them there and just patted them on the head and said, oh, you're cute. You think you could do anything to stop me? <laughs> So we're going to move on to our next segment. Even though I kind of want to talk about The Boys Season 2 coming to Amazon. We could talk about that. I, I don't have much to talk about. All I've seen is the ads, but good grief, holy heck, I need to get Amazon Prime. <laughs> you still, yeah, we still haven't done that free trial? or I still haven't seen Season 1 yet, no. <laughs> See, I... Yeah, like, I've heard nothing but good things about The Boys, but... I'm still just, like, it's not really my, not in the mood for that kind of, like... Yeah, it's real cynical. Yeah, super, you know, harsh, like, cynicism. The only, like, it's way too cynical for me right now. It's just not even because, like, oh, I can't handle cynicism. It's because literally everybody else on the planet is being so cynical right now. It's like, come on. Can we all, like... I, I, I understand things are rough. And things have been rough all year. But we're over halfway through the year. And eventually things will get better. Can we chill a little bit? 
<laughs> not in well, not enough to like forget the problems, not enough to like not find solutions, just enough to take a deep breath. I also find it a bit ironic that a show that criticizes mega corporations as being financed by <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something inherently about, you know, the meta context is kind of like, hmm. <laughs> Which is amazing because as far as I was reading some articles about season one, and I think there was only one scene that they were told they could not do. And what? the scene is... Uh, Homelander, I think he is, the Superman-type character. The scene was him standing on top of a building jacking off onto the city. And that was the one scene that the exec said, you can't do that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, Jeff Bezos comes out in a robot suit. <laughs> <laughs> he is Lex Luthor. <laughs> He's got the money. He's got the bald head. And then Mark Zuckerberg comes in with green skin and tentacles and is about to take the earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I need... I need this. I need... But who are the heroes? We have the villains. Uh, we need heroes. <laughs> who will save us from this travesty? Uh, okay, that's out of my system. Let's, move on to our, let's actually move on to our next segment. How to be a better buddy, where we learn not to be Jeff Bezos. Uh, and we give both humorous and serious advice to a myriad of questions I pulled from the internet. We have a lot of questions this week, mostly because I found a few that were shorter and easier to answer, but I thought would give some, uh, some fodder to the comedy fire. Our first question this week from Yahoo Answers, I get all of these out of the family and relationships uh, section, how to make a girlfriend. How to make how a to, girlfriend? How to make a girlfriend. That's it. That's all the info they give. Uh, my serious answer is don't. <laughs> you can't make one. <laughs> you could find one. You finding one? Yeah, you can find one. You can totally find one. But if you think you can make one, that's going to make finding one a lot harder. I mean, my advice stems long ago to the ancient fable of Pygmalion. When a dude made a sculpture and he thought the sculpture was so amazing, he became a hermit. And just start dating the sculpture. Don't be Pygmalion. <laughs> but that is a way to make a girlfriend. You just make a statue. Oh my right, god, yeah, that's but... waifus. It's waifus and their body pillows. Oh god. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I guess buy a body pillow? Or commission one. Or that. Or make one. The thing though with Pygmalion was... Um, Aphrodite was just bored and actually brought the statue to life to fuck with Pygmalion. So oh, dang. <laughs> so pray to Aphrodite, I guess. But I'm with you, RJ. Don't don't no don't try to make a girlfriend. Just just make yourself just make yourself a little bit better, you know? Like clean up, exercise, make 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 yourself somebody who Have some hobbies somebody... other than making people. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> 
our next question, uh, also related to girlfriends, is... GF gets mad when I go through her Facebook page? Space question mark. Further details are... She shouldn't get mad. Am I wrong? Well, I'm going to assume GF stands for Grandma Francine. So, like, you know, Grandma Francine doesn't want you going through, you know, her fucking Instagram or her Facebook. Don't leave Grandma Francine's Facebook alone, man. Yeah, man. You don't know who she's talking to. She Maybe she's uh, seeing someone new, you know? After Grandpa George died, she's got a full life to live. Age, Doing her doesn't, thing. Mean, uh, age doesn't mean you stop living. So, yeah, no, she, like, yeah. No, leave her alone. Don't go through her page. That's her. That's, that's Grandma Francine's. Now, if GF means girlfriend, also, don't go through her page. <laughs> you can look at the public stuff that she posts, but don't go into her account and start reading her messages. It's an invasion of privacy and, frankly, just makes you as bad as the National Security Agency. You don't want to be the NSA, do you? <laughs> so yeah you're wrong get over it our third question is it rude for my friend to ask me to pay for half of meals he used to pay for me what wait i'm confused okay so i understand the first sentence what about the second like he used to pay for me so i have two theories on this my first theory is it's a woman posting and is confused why her male friend has no longer paying for meals. The other theory is it's a male friend who just kind of never, like, brought it up, and the friend who was paying for everything got fed up with it and has decided to stop paying for his meals because the other guy never offers to pay. <laughs> Either way, it's problematic behavior on your part for not offering to ever pay. I think there is just like, I mean, if you want to, this isn't a hill you should be willing to die on. Like, if somebody spots you, you spot them. Just like, be cool, man. Yeah, it's that. Whatever. It's just like, you know, twenty bucks. Whatever. Just you know. Come on. It's I, twenty I did bucks. Have, I did have a friend uh, whose girlfriend would oh, he would always use coupons when they went on dates, and she hated that. <laughs> Which is pretty irrelevant to this question, but I just found it funny. I mean, I can see both sides. Like, yeah, saving money is good, but maybe you shouldn't always wait for date night to use the coupons. Maybe, like, yeah. just sometimes just take her to Applebee's and just pay for it. <laughs> well, too, but if, you, if it's like, you know... Oh, you're just hanging out on a Saturday afternoon or whatever, and then you go to Culver's, like, hey, I have this coupon. You want you want to use it? Like, Yeah. That's fine. Do that. But I can also understand, like, oh, yeah, don't worry, my loving girlfriend. I will spare <laughs> any I spared expense I can. no expense. <laughs> I can spare all the expense. <laughs> I spared no expense. Literally, none could be spared. <laughs> <laughs> I have no money, but I have free Scoopy coupons. I ripped off that bag that child threw away. As he as he walks in a Nike gear that he just bought. <laughs> <laughs> he just bought that painting that he was for his really specific obsession. It's all connected. Uh, 
but just pay for your food. Just pay for your food. Our next question is, how does it feel to be a lone wolf? Well, now, I've never been a wolf, so I can't say. Wait, you you haven't been? No, I I I didn't grow up with lycanthropy, so I never had to deal with being a wolf. I know there are people who have, and you know I feel for them every day. But yeah, no, never never had to deal with uh, any sort of lupine existence. It's been nice knowing you, Eli. They're coming for you now. You just added yourself. To the wolves? Yep. Oh, oh no. They run everything. Don't you know that? They're pack animals. Oh, they're packs. <laughs> they're everywhere. But yeah, wolves are pack animals. Lone wolves don't exist. So you don't, you question asker, don't know what it feels like to be a lone wolf. You dumb bitch. <laughs> Well, I mean, a lone wolf, like, if you get exiled from your clan or something, maybe. No, it doesn't wolf. happen. All right, then, yeah. The, like, how does it feel to be a lone wolf? We don't know. Doesn't wolf happen. science is very specifically that they are <laughs> pack <science>. animals. <laughs> also, alpha wolves don't exist either. It's not a thing. The dude who wrote the book on it, like, went back and did more research and was like, oh, shit, I messed up. It's not an alpha wolf and beta wolves. It's a mom and a dad and their kids. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, hey, I, I know the whole thing I wrote. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you're running with it? Oh, geez. All right. Uh. Yep. Uh, if speaking as a lone wolf, though, you mean like, man, I just feel really alone right now. And I don't feel like I have any friends or loved ones around me. I think you should, in all seriousness, step back. Reassess where your life situation is at. Say, okay, I am doing this with my life. I'm working on these things. I ha I probably could maybe eat a little bit better, or I am spending all my free time watching Netflix. Maybe I could take up a new hobby to get me more involved with people. From there, you build friendships. You, with that hobby, where you can meet new people, whether it's playing online video games, or Dungeons and Dragons, or running, or, uh, fishing. I don't know, a lot of people fish, right? <laughs> no, I, like, exactly as you said, you know, if you are sort of in a lonely position, um... The one consistent you, the one consistent person you're always with is yourself. So you should really focus on yourself first and foremost. You know, don't try to find validation within you know other people. I think you should like, like, like RJ said. You know, like, you know, start eating maybe a little bit better. Go exercise some more. Clean up. Really do do you as best as you can. And then you know, once you're comfortable with yourself, then I think it'd be easier to go out of that, you know, quote-unquote lone wolf position and start, you know, making friends, going to different social things, you know, you know, barring a pandemic. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, your point is exactly valid. You know, work on yourself. You know, if you are a lone wolf, then, you know, you're all by yourself, then make yourself something, you know, happy to be around. And going off of that advice, I, I know at least I'm coming from that direction because I've been in that place. 
or at least felt like I've been in that place. So it's very good advice to follow. The danger is you need to have a balanced life. So if you focus too much on be being the best you, you can be, where you go to the gym all the time and you are so focused on eating right that you, like, avoid ever going out with your with anybody to go, like, grab a burger because, well, I have to make sure I eat my very specific salad diet and we need to be done by within 30 minutes so I can get to the gym again and uh, I've got three books I need to read this week to improve my mind so I can only... I have to be home by six, so I have time to read my books. If you're lone wolfing because you're focusing too much on yourself, again, reassess and say, okay, it's great that I've improved this much. Maybe I can take a chill pill. <laughs> no, I, I'm 100%. 100%. Uh, we've got two more questions. Our next one is... Are animal lovers generally nicer or mean? With further details being, how are they like with other people? I know they say that animal lovers have really big hearts, but IDK. Um, well, that's purely, I don't know. I've met tons of people with animals and they've all been on the spectrum of nice and not so nice. Yeah. Like, I... Like, whenever I see them with a dog, my mood is enhanced because they have a dog. I don't know if it's enhanced because they're nice people. <laughs> I mean, I used to have a dog, and I loved that dog a lot, but I was still a really fighty person f for most of the time you've known me. <laughs> um, I think the one thing I would, or I think one of the things I would say about this is, particularly with, I guess, obsessive people uh i know it's a stereotype that uh horse lovers mm -hmm. uh tend to get a little obsessive about their animals and their um hobby they can get intense and occasionally they'll say oh animal lovers are nice i just care more but if you say a anything bad about horses they the obsessive ones can bite back at you and be meaner so i think you should just check and see oh do they love animals or are they an obsessive person yeah at that point yeah anybody who is obsessive probably doesn't fall into the category of you know nice but i mean if like you know i mean i love animals you know yeah. And I, I generally consider myself a nice person, maybe, possibly, I don't know, but... You're pretty nice. Aw, well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, no, just, you know, take... take every, I, I, You know, I'm always an advocate of taking people as they are. Don't lump everybody together. So yeah. if somebody says, oh, I love animals, don't be like, well, that guy's got to be nice. They have to be nice. That only makes sense. It's like, that. that's not really... That's not how people work. <laughs> <laughs> Not an algorithm. <laughs> I just love the idea of, hey, don't take people at face value because they could be really mean. Like, a lot of times you hear the don't take people at face value because they could be really nice. Like, don't judge a book by its cover. But this is, like, the first time I've noticed that and 
being used for, hey, don't judge the book by its cover because it could be really bad. <laughs> this could be a horrendous book. <laughs> and our last question for this week. Why'd you pick this one? I picked this one because the answer seemed so simple to me. But at the same time, I realized it's not something I'd ever thought about, having been raised Catholic. And it's not necessarily something the church would be thrilled to talk about. Sure, they'd an- if you've got a nice priest, I'm sure he would answer this question for you. <laughs> but it's not one you really want to take to father and be like, hey, so I had a question. I'm only imagining all the horrible things your audience is thinking of right now. <laughs> the question is, did the Virgin Mary ever fart? Another I can reason, imagine. Another reason I chose this question was to show that nothing is off topic here. We will answer any question. I can't imagine why she wouldn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. It's a human biological function. Everybody farts, even Obama. I Um, mean, maybe, like, I'm sure it's just like, all but God, you know, immaculate birth. (laughs) What if that had some unforeseen consequences? Or maybe, maybe God was just like, hey... Hey, Mary, I'm going to do you a solid. You know that thing that smells? This is what you've just implied. You've just implied that in the, in Judy, in, um, Judianic faiths with the Virgin, where they believe in the Virgin Mary, particularly Catholicism. Uh, I don't know if any other denominations of Christianity believe it, but Catholicism in particular, the Virgin Mary is virgin, both because she had immaculate conception where she gave birth without having sex and was born without original sin. As my understanding goes, she herself was protected by God from original sin. And then his son was the son of God protected from original sin. Original sin being Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This implies that farting is a result of Adam and Eve eating the apple in the Garden of Eden. That farting is indicative <laughs> of original sin. Oh, what I was getting at was just like, God was just like, here's a baby. Oh, you know what? Here, have this also. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to do you a solid. Or, or like, hey, God, uh, you know, I have this baby growing, but I noticed I don't fart anymore. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's weird. Uh... Yeah, definitely meant for that to happen. That was intentional. It's a miracle. You're welcome. But there's the, there's the part of me that the serpent in the apple tree, like, his first words weren't like, hey, come over here. It was just a fart. Okay, so in the Bible, the tree is not an apple tree. That was an artistic rendering that has resulted in the misconception. It was merely a fruit tree. And you know it's oh. a magical fruit. Beans. Because the oh more my you God. eat, the more you toot. The bean tree. <laughs> the almighty bean tree of the forest. The Garden of Eden. So, in the Garden of Eden, 
the serpent gave Adam and Eve some beans. And that was original sin. Oh my god, I'm getting excommunicated. <laughs> the serpent had a cowboy hat. It's like cooking it over like a can over a fire. Well, why don't you, you guys are, you know, first humans. Howdy. Why don't you come sit down? Howdy, folks. Why don't you come sit by my fire and I'll tell you a little tale. You, uh, <laughs> you see this tree here? This one right here? This here is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God said you couldn't eat from this tree. Do you know why? You know why he said you couldn't eat from this tree? He told you you couldn't eat from this tree because he's afraid of you. He doesn't want you to know the truth. He's trying to hide it from you. But if you eat from my beans right here, why? <laughs> your eyes will be open pretty faster than a butterfly. <laughs> it's got its tail. Enough. Its tail is like moving the pan over the fire. Faster than a butterfly. <laughs> I spent four years getting an English degree and I can't think of a goddamn metaphor. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is the the Bill Nye snake from Rango. What? The one with like the one with the revolver, the tail. Because it's a rattlesnake. Bill Nye snake? Yeah, it was voiced by No, 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 the Bill Nye with the Y at the end of his name. That doesn't help me. Yeah, there's two actors. You're not it's not Bill Nye the science guy, it's Bill Nye, the British actor. I didn't know there was a second one. Yep, he his last name was spelled with a Y. Rip. And and I G H Y. He came first, I think. So, well, yeah, I yeah, that would be the snake. <laughs> okay, you can probably cut this whole part out since that just <laughs> fell flat on his face. No, I'm keeping it. I like this. They're gonna need it at my trial. <laughs> All right. Well. Okay. Let's go on to our last segment for the evening, shouting into the void, where we tweet at a celebrity to try and get their attention. Uh, our options this week are John Cena, Tim Allen, or Taika Waititi. I made this list before we discussed anything on this episode, so, um... Well, it seems like the stars have aligned. Your yeah, decision's I th- clear. I think, the, I think the decision is clear. Hey, Taika Waititi, uh, what do I want to say to Taika? Mr. Watiti. <laughs> did, did the Virgin Mary fart? <laughs> okay. <sighs> I'm, I'm hitting... I hit tweet. But it also makes me sad. And I just why? tweeted that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got nothing for you, man. That was just a goof on your part. <laughs> I mean, when we tweeted at Chef Mike, it was the only the only content in the tweet was "Hey at Chef Mike, meatballs," with a question mark. Oh, Taika seems like the kind of guy who would riff on this tweet if he sees it. That's the thing. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking when I was like typing it out. Who knows? Cross your fingers. We'll see. Oh boy, I'm going to hell. How could you not know about Bill Nye, the British guy? Look, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was a sin. <laughs> he's in a he's in a Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. I haven't seen either of those movies. Oh, um, hang on. 
He's in uh, Harry Potter's and the Deathly Hallows, part one. As what? Uh, That's what uh, I thought. <laughs> Rufus Scrimgeour. I don't know who that is. He's in Hitchhiker's Guide. Haven't seen that. <laughs> he was in Emma, my favorite movie so far this year. I wanted to see that. I loved it. He was the he, okay. He is so funny in that movie because he doesn't do anything but hate drafts. Really? He's just standing in a room and he just looks annoyed, and everyone's just like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "There's a draft." <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the least amount of effort of an actor who's made me laugh so hard because <laughs> he just he does, all he does is obsess <laughs> about drafts, and it's the funniest thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. It just does like he'll just be sitting in a room and it's all quiet and he just goes to <gasps> draft and then he changes seats. No, I, I need I need to clarify something because I think I misheard draft with a D or giraffe with a G. No, like like an air, like air. Oh, oh, you thought there were giraffes roaming around Jane Austen, England? I thought it was like there was one on an estate or a picture of one on the wall. <laughs> like, oh, the kid's got a stuffed giraffe, and he's just like, I hate those. Giraffes killed my parents. No, it's even funnier because everyone's just like, there's no draft, and he's like, no, there is one. I feel it. <laughs> like, I've never, like just, he's just an old dude who just snarls, <laughs> and you just laugh. But it's a great movie. Check out Emma. Yeah, I, it was, it took, like, that type of movie is totally out of my wheelhouse. But the trailers still made me go like, oh, you know, I'd like to see that. So I am confident it's a good movie and that I need to watch it. Well, if, that movie alternatively is exactly in my wheelhouse. So <laughs> it's everything you want in like a, a Jane Austen adaptation. Uh, super lighthearted comedy romance set in uh, 19th century England. Speaking of last, wheelhouses. Last, last movie I saw in theaters before the... Before everything happens, so. Real quick, before we wrap up the show here, did you ever see Cats? I did not. I, I really meant to, but there was some honor code in my brain of just like, do not give them money. It's like, but I need to see it. It's like, don't give them money. <laughs> so I didn't see it. If you listen to none of the other episodes, go listen to the Flophouse podcast episode about Cats. Oh, I, I listened to that. It's it's so good because they're so happy. <laughs> no, no, Natalie Walker on that was having like conniption for how much yes. she loved it. <laughs> the sheer <laughs> amount of joy was so pure and good. And the three main hosts are usually so curmudgeon and hateful. That it's, <laughs> it, and they were happy and it filled me with hope. It got me through two days of work. <laughs> just listening to that I listened to it and then I, the next day I was working and I listened to a couple of other things and I just went back and listened to it again so that's uh, our call to action is go see cats <laughs> yeah and I think one of the best descriptions of it was one of the hosts of the flop house it was um, Dan he when they had to decide whether they, it was a good movie, a bad movie, or a movie to, like, show to your friends because it was bad, 
he kept, like, he sat there for a moment and was like, if I enjoy, like, bad movie, good bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked, and he just said, at a certain point, when I've gotten this much joy and happiness out of it, I think I just enjoyed the movie. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it was bad or not. You just enjoyed it. Uh, let's wrap this up. Eli, <laughs> thank you for joining me this week. Do you want to plug your projects one more time? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Uh, my name is uh, Elias Stokes. Uh, you can catch me and my friend Jay on the Super Bracket Bros podcast and like a good uh plug plug artist i've looked at our release schedule and this week we have um lamillion from my hero academia versus dash and violet par from the incredibles so check oh, that out no. this sunday and uh go online to our instagram and vote for who you think will win um but yeah uh on a personal vote uh, I have a website, EliasStokes.com, where I post movie reviews. Um, if you're interested in anything, um, because of the pandemic, a lot of the, my reviews have been on streaming. So if you're looking for something to watch during the weekday or weekend, uh, maybe I could find, maybe I could recommend you something you might enjoy. So EliasStokes.com um, and Super Bracket Bros. If you want to hear me and my friend riff on fictional fights. All right. Thank you to you, Eli. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for allowing us to use their song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes or Spotify or uh, I think they're on SoundCloud. Go give them a listen. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty good, please. They're letting me use the music for free. They're amazing. <laughs> um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify. I think YouTube Music is now where Google puts its podcasts. I got some email about it. I didn't look that closely. Um, we're on Podbean. Uh, get your friends to listen. Give us reviews and things. Uh, I need to check our iTunes reviews. I think I said if I get we got ten iTunes reviews, I'd like I'd do something for it. It's a vague contest. Uh, rec uh, reviewing a sandwich was one recommendation I came up with because no one else is giving me anything. Um, you can like us on Facebook. Better buddies. We're on Twitter, at BetterBudCast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when tweeting about the show. And if you have a question you would like advice on, or a letter, fan or hate, or how we can improve, you can send those to BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. If you have fan art of us as uh, Elemental Benders, or as... Uh, Street Fighter like competitors from last week. You can send that to the Better Buddies cast at gmail.com as well. And last but not least, be a better buddy. <sighs> I did, um, there was this person that when I had Twitter, I followed this one guy and he changed his name to Rum Tum Thugger. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the funniest result of a Cats movie for me. I just...
Did you hear that? Okay, so you know how like they have the whole release the the Snyder cut or whatever. Yeah. They, apparently, there was a cut of the Cats movie where everybody had bulging like that bulges on their crotches. Oh yeah, wasn't that a thing? Like a one yeah, of the actors really... was like, "Yeah, they shrunk down my uh my bulge." Yeah, it was um uh Derulo. Yeah, Jason Derulo. So it was like release the bulge cut, you cowards. Ha, 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 ha.